Welcome to another episode of the Lone Recruiter Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Clements, and if you're a recruiter out on your own or just lacking general guidance or mentorship, you've come to the right place. Our episodes are designed to give you the motivation, the strategies, and the support you need to become the very best Lone Recruiter. So join us, grab a cup of coffee, let's take your desk to another level. Now, this is a bit unorthodox. I don't normally interview people, but today I'm joined with Josh. Um, I invited him on to the... Um, other podcasts where I asked him the five questions I'm asking all other recruiters. Um, got some amazing answers out of that. But talking in the hallways, I just went, you have some absolute gold nuggets that I want to extract for our audience because today, um, if you're at home and you're, you're a recruiter on your own or you're thinking about going out on your own or maybe you're in a small agency and you want to scale it, this guy's going to give us some really nice insights. You know, I've been recruiting for 10 years um, within my Alra agency, but you know, I've been recruiting for 17 years all up. I feel like you've done three times as much as I have in, in half the time. <laughs> and, and I love that. I love that. So I have no preparation for today because this is just off cuff. But um, I just wanted to ask you a few questions and just see where it goes. We've, already, we've probably already talked about half of it, but what fascinates me about your background, so it's Josh Hill from The Network, currently Correct. at The Network. Correct. IT recruitment. Yep. Prior to that, has worked for Hayes has worked for Michael Page, has done a little bit of oil and gas, so knows engineering, but really I think it sounds like tech is your baby. It is. Um, what we threw, and we did this before, 60 seconds, like what is what is like, what's your trajectory? Where, did you, where were you employed? Where were you, uh, yep. what businesses did you run? Where did you own, where did you sell? Yeah, I, um, I started in Perth, at Hayes Perth. I was running a public sector desk there, which everyone said was the worst possible desk to have been given, but. I was an idiot and I knew you better, so. Well, <laughs> the fun part is we didn't have any of the, the, the panels or anything, so I essentially was just trying to like scrimp and try to find ways around loopholes, um, weaseling into, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and during that time, for context, you were talking about the greatest mining and oil and gas boom that Australia has ever seen and, and probably will ever see. Yeah, we were seeing people doing 300 grand uh, months, sorry, 300 grand months wow. at Hayes. So I'm comparing my, you know, 40, 50K a month and going, oh, that's pathetic. Mm. Um, I wish I could go and have a word to that, Josh, I'll tell you that much. I mean, that mm. was that was really good at that period of time. And, you know, technology was good, but it was, my area was also low margin and, and a lot of work. So I built that up from nothing. No one had ever done it before. Real kind of tumultuous period for the business at that time. Both my director and manager at the time left within about a month of each other, which was um, interesting. And then just the right time, someone said, hey, come and do oil and gas. My mum was in oil and gas and it was a pretty good time to be around at that period of time. Fast forward 12 months, I literally built the division for Australia, for Michael Page. They'd never done oil and gas in Australia. Um, I knew nothing about it other than what I'd heard kind of anecdotally. A lot of learning, really interesting space, doing everything from kind of um, you know, well work and, and completions and stuff like that through to asset management engineers, all this kind of stuff. You learn a lot really quickly. And you're talking like the Gorgon project, yeah, the Itchies all, project all, and all that. I Ictus, yeah, Ictus, yeah, yeah. sorry. I love the old Itchies. Um, <laughs> everything really. I, I was putting guys on wells all around the world in the end, like you yeah. know, Australia, New Zealand, everywhere. Yeah. I can talk about the geology of different parts of Australia. Like I, I always like to get really involved in what I'm talking about because I feel like I need to be credible. Um, that was an interesting kind of 14, 15 months. That was... That was good, but also just so badly timed. I remember calling the CEO of a small cap business who was like, I have no money to drill wells. 
So, Josh, if I have no money to drill wells, why would I need anybody that you have? And I was like, yeah. Okay, and that was the kind of moment I went, what, oh, what could be in trouble here? 2012. 13? 2013? Yeah. Um, and that was where you just started to see everything kind of going the other way. Other than the big gas projects, a lot of the oil work was, was quite difficult. And we obviously had no... PSAs or anything, so I wasn't working with these really highfalutin businesses, the Chevrons, the mm. you know the Exxon's, etc. of the world. You're dealing with people that no one's ever heard of, drilling a couple of wells here and there. Fascinating, really interesting stuff, and you'd have a massive impact on those businesses. Mm. And I think that, again, two startups in a row, success was very easy in the first one, for whatever reason, I think just work hard. And then the second one, for whatever reason, probably didn't work out as well. I was then tapped on the shoulder by a friend of mine to go be part of the founding team for Spencer Ogden in Australia, who at the time were really big in oil and gas and were just starting in renewables. They'd had a, a one of the fastest growing recruitment companies in the world at that period of time. So first four, we all went off and, and kind of founded that. I was the global account manager in, in the region for big businesses like Halliburton, Slumberger, built a couple of other ones off the back of that. Mm. Same thing, right? The, the kind of things that I was hearing when I was at Michael Page, I was like, oh, I'll be fine, you know? It's mm. that kind of, willful ignorance you have when you're uh, 22, 23 years old. And we did well in, in, in bits and pieces, but it was again, much the same thing. You know, if you're, if those companies are quiet, you know, you're really in trouble. Mm. Um, I then went and kind of founded my own business off the back of that with a business partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uber was just coming into Australia. So it was like, well, let's buy some cars and see what we can do off the back of that. All right. Uh, yeah, good timing. I, I think, you know, two years of being told continually to go do one, uh, probably it made me slightly jaded mm-hmm. um so those two years of oil and gas I, i'd always kind of i'd always really enjoyed and loved tech and tech was everything that i'd ever wanted to be in the money was the main driving factor for the oil and gas and, and mining mm. work and i find it really interesting I, i'm a big advocate of that space i think if they do things well it's, it's important it probably gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes justifiably um but the engineering that people can create to actually make these things is fascinating mm. i still find it really interesting so with the, with the uber play mm. you bought cars and drove uber cars that like you ferried people around yeah I, i've got, I've got some great stories about that uh, uh, you right. know for for about six months that was my full-time gig we just went pretty hard into that right. you know bought a bunch of cars we're doing really good numbers off the back of it and you were employing people to drive your cars yeah. via uber yeah and driving one then. ourselves as well so and driving one yourself because the margin was better back then wasn't it? yeah right really good actually to be okay. honest and okay. uh, it was kind of again the glory days you know we, yeah, we yeah. there were times where we do kind of 24 hour shifts oh my myself and then you know, business partner in and then for instance like we made i think about seven thousand dollars across the new year's day before and the day after yeah crazy kind of money stupid money yeah. um but really really good way to learn how to grow a business that was not our business because mm. you know the recruitment industry you put in outcomes, you spend a lot of time that's wasted, but when you do well, you do really well. Mm. Here, it's kind of a much more steady pace. It's methodical, day mm. in, day out. You build a base, you get X and your profit margin sits at Y, and you need to have this amount of customers on top of your existing business to, to do so. Um, we pivoted that business over a number of years into more of a leasing model. Yep. So we ended up getting rid of a lot of our high-end vehicles and moving them more towards like Prius Bs and, mm-hmm efficient, mm-hmm. cheaper vehicles to run. We had a fleet of them, about 10 of them by the time we finished up. Um, and they were all being out, leased to different people. So it was good. It kind of kept me focused, even when I got back into recruitment, which I'll jump back into in a minute. But when I was there, it was still something that was really important to me to be able to understand how a business runs. Mm. And having that experience at 23 was really useful Massive. for everything I've done since. Massive. I, you know, the number one learning I've ever had is 
you know, increased revenue does not mean increased profits. Oh yes. And like that's such a that's such a terrible lesson to learn, isn't it? Very rough. When you think, oh, we're doing all this, we've got all this, we're you know, we're we're a big deal. Um, life and business has a way of humbling you very quickly, you know. And, and I think that it's the lessons I've taken from that are lessons that will be useful for me for the entirety of my career, and I've used probably every day since. Um, I then got a message kind of out of the blue from the two guys I worked with at Hayes, the director and the manager there, and they said, hey, look, we've been doing our own thing for a little while. We're looking to bring somebody on, be the first employee. Do you want to come along? Yeah, I mean, I've got time, you know, and, and I, at 23, 24, wanted to do as much as possible and be mm. am, as ambitious as possible. I mm. hate dead space and time. Like, what can I do to be driving towards my ultimate end goal? So went in there, we were in a, a shoebox, to be honest, probably not much bigger than this. This has got a nice uh, window. We didn't have a window. It was, <laughs> I wouldn't call this a nice window. <laughs> yeah, it's better than what we had, I assure you. Um, and we, we built that from, you know, three guys in a room to now 20 plus consultants and mm. arguably the best recruitment consultancy in technology in Western Australia. Um, okay. I bought that, I'm from Sydney, but was living in Perth at the time. Always wanted to come home. So there was a kind of catalyst of, of its time. Um, and 2017, I said to the guys, look, I'm probably gonna look at moving back to Sydney. Um, yeah, at that point in time, Perth's a great city, I love it for many, many things, but mm. Big fish, little pond, you know, that kind of analogy. I'd always wanted to go where the decisions were made and, and where things were really from a recruitment perspective. You tech back there? Still, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. So I, I kind of met, you know, the big mining companies and that was all you needed to meet. Um, I love it. It's, it's a great place. I still do a lot of work there. But for me, it was always about, all right, I'm going to go home. I'm going to work in a market that's bigger, that's got you know, bigger upside. And I'm going to go and try to start something from scratch there. We didn't have any clients, really. I think one that gave us... So when here. you came to Sydney, that's when you started the network? No, no, that's where we were at. I was still at Verse Group at this point. Uh, I started that as the GM, the only guy in the entire place. So me in a even smaller office with no window again, mm -hmm. um, building. <laughs> Look, it wasn't my choice, I won't lie. Um, but for me, it was then a case of you've got to go back from scratch. So every time, every iteration, I've started with nothing, mm. absolutely nothing. Um, Coming into Sydney, it's a very different market. Perth is hugely relationship-based. Mm -hmm. It's who you know, it's how you build those relationships. Sydney is that, but only at certain levels, and it's extremely transactional. So there was kind of that culture shock that took me a little while to get over. I built a small team, a couple of us there, um, and then I was approached by the CEO and GM of the network and said, hey, look, we're, we're undergoing some pretty interesting stuff. You know, it's a bit of a time. I'd, I'd been banging my head against the wall for the last 18 months. Um, with a company that I loved and respected and, and still, you know, to this day, the directors, I'm extremely appreciative of the opportunity they gave me, but it's kind of like, all right, we've, we've kind of come to a natural end. It's time for me to move on. Um, and I did, you know, came over here and, and started there as initially as a practice lead and then promoted through into, you know, associate director now running our New South Wales operation. For me, it was a case of going, how do I continue to level up and how do I do things differently? And you know, the company I was with before had a really, really good, great relationship, taught me amazing marketing skills, taught me amazing branding skills, which we still use today. And then when I looked at what the network did, the ability to go to a client of any description and offer a bunch of products to do the same solution, blew my mind. I remember sitting in our boardroom at the time in induction and just going, I can offer that. That's a way I can get around, you know, time and material, statement of work. We were spun off out of a um, managed service provider. So I had a look yeah. at the network and I was like, you know, um, 
contingent as a service, which yeah. I'm assuming is a monthly, you know, of, of invoice, and, and all these different things. It just it almost sounded like um, you, you're like a um, you know an incubator, or you're like you were you were um, you know funded or something. You know, it, came, it didn't feel like recruitment. It doesn't feel like recruitment. We productize recruitment, and we've got a lot of traditional pieces, right? Yeah, perm, contract, all that great stuff, but. You know, uh, executive search retained work, we do a lot of. That's increasingly a big part of our business. Mm. Um, as you go, which is something we built during COVID, which, oh, is, That's the one. <laughs> which is like the after yep. pay for recruitment fees. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was massive during tough times. You know, people mm. can't afford to have one big 30, $40, $50,000 recruitment mm. fee, so they break it up into pieces. It doesn't bother us. It's more a case of being able to provide that solution. Mm. As the market has changed and it's gone up and down in those periods of time, obviously COVID in the middle of that, we fluctuate with it. We, we've got this amazing bit of technology in the back end, and I'm a massive advocate for rec tech, if done correctly. I think there's a lot of it that, that isn't. Um, but our whole piece around that is making sure that your end goal is to humanise everything you do. So technology is there to facilitate admin and all the other crap that we need to do in our job, which is very important. And people will, in my own company, will, will kind of brutalise me for saying it's not. It is. Do your bullhorn. Um, <laughs> but the, the important piece about tech is that it helps facilitate these discussions. Yeah. Um, so I spent a lot of time really building that, you know, focusing on innovation. How do we kind of make sure that we're, mm. yeah, the real kind of tip of the spear for our industry? And we've been really fortunate. We won uh, Growth Brand of the Year last year in the Tiara Awards. We won um, Medium-Sized Company of the Year, uh, the year before that. We've got five or six, you know, finalist nominations. And these are all these are all vanity metrics, don't get me wrong. But oh, they, you know, they count. I like them, you know. It, it shows that you're getting external validation, which is particularly during COVID was really difficult. You no, know, mate, every 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 award counts and you might feel like it's vanity, but I can tell you now that anyone who doesn't have an award and looks at that, they get intimidated. And that's what that's what you want. But yeah, it just muscle muscle the competition a little bit. I'll take that as a win, but yeah. 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 Uh, so now my, my role is kind of running that team and working more at the executive level. I'm really passionate about that being at the kind of intersection of business people and technology, which is you know, people solving business problems with a technology background yeah. and driving outcomes for the business. Yeah. So I, I probably run that line out 50 times a day, but it's one that is genuine. It's how do we get more technologists to the CEO chair and how do we really drive technology into business to generate the kind of profitability outcomes that we're looking for. Okay, okay. So that's an amazing trajectory, and that's all in 11 years. Yeah. That's all in 11 years. So, you know, I've just I've just finished watching the Beckham documentary. Haven't started yet, it looks amazing. And it is, it is fantastic. And, you know, the, I remember when it finished, I turned to my wife and I said, there's one thing that you can certainly point to Beckham and say is that wherever he went, success followed. And I get the sense that's kind of you as well. Like you don't rest, you don't sleep until it's working. Like I, you've, you've started multiple desks from scratch. Not many people like doing that. You know, I get people coming in and they say, oh, I'm gonna build a desk. But then the reality is it's cold calling, it's strategic, it's mapping. It's like really out of the comfort zone. You're not working briefs. You're kind of going, where am I gonna place this pin on this map? And, and I get the sense that you've just gotten better and better at it. So my first question for you, based on what you just said, is like, what is your, like, how, what are your self expectations? And I don't think it's really hard to put your own expectations on other people, but what are your expectations for yourself for starting a desk? I.e., like, when are you making your first placement? From, yeah. I've, I've landed in Sydney from Perth and now we're billing. Like, what's that expectation? I think, you know, you, you've actually kind of cut to the crux of both the positive and negative of my experience in that 
for me, my expectations of self are massively high, right? Mm-hmm. So when I don't hit those expectations, it's difficult. And when we talked about slumps in the last podcast, the only reason I'm really good at dealing with that now is because cold desks give you a lot of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, my expectation for myself is I did my first deal in my first company within um, the first month. I did the first deal at the network. I still hold the record for three days within the time I got there. These kind of things are important, but again, they're, they're vanity metrics. So I think when I look at, if I was to, and it's important to get the kind of eagle eye view, you know, the bird's eye view of what you're doing and not be too um, in the weeds when you mm. sit and think about these things. And when I sit down with my team now, that's generally my role. It's kind of going, well, you're running around at a million miles an hour, but what are you doing to be effective? Activity is king. Mm. There is not a world in which that doesn't exist in this business, right? And, and anyone that kind of tries to hack their way through by marketing and branding and all these things, which I absolutely adore and I'm a massive uh, advocate of, that's only there to help promote good activity. Mm. So I think when I look at the negatives that I learned from this experience, when I came to Sydney and found it harder than I thought it would, you know, it kind of took me, it probably took me three months to even get my head around it. And there were moments there where I was literally sat in a room Mm. just going, my God, what am I doing? You know, like (laughs) this is... What am I doing wrong? What's not working? Because everything that's always worked for me in another environment isn't working now. And I think with the benefit of hindsight, obviously being 2020, if I was to go back and do that again, the simple thing is accountability. And if you don't have anybody in your business to be accountable to, find somebody, make them make you accountable. I, like that. I was given an extremely long leash to do whatever I wanted you know, when, I, when I built kind of verse group in Sydney, which was great. But conversely, I think if... if I'd probably been more accountable, that would have been a, a different outcome or, or a faster outcome. Because you, human nature is undefeated, right? We're always gonna sit there and think we're doing really well and think we're really busy. Even our biggest critics are always gonna go, well, we're kind of doing some things right, but facts only are the thing that matters, right? And you look at it and go, well, you've done this, but realistically, is that gonna lead to any outcomes? And I'm very lucky, I've got a lot of mentors and people I've spoken to in the in my career throughout all of this who will give you a reality check. One of my, one of my mentor's greatest phrases is, cool, get back to work. <laughs> yeah, he'll even post it on stuff I, I post on LinkedIn. Cool, get back to work. Yeah, like I'll post something. He's probably already done it when I posted about being here. Cool, get back to work. <laughs> he is at work, mate. Yeah, but I love that, right? Yeah, because yeah. that's the mentality. If yeah. you're increasingly, it's easy to be, um, I use the term squirrely, but you know, distracted, boom, boom, focusing yeah. on what's going around. Core activity, outcomes, getting CVs out the door, speaking to good people, time on the phone, old school, you know, the rudimental 101 stuff well, is we've seen, it, we've seen it before, and I've even spoken about this, where when people have a really good run, yeah. they take the foot off the gas and they start celebrating. Completely. And it's like, you haven't done your fundamentals for the week. You haven't done your projects. You haven't done your meetings. You haven't done your interviews. What's going to happen next week? You're yeah. going down. You're yep. going from highs to lows. And so that's exactly that, right? Stick to get back to work. It's undefeated. Yeah. And I think as much as I've tried to in my career dance around ways of shortcutting that, there's no way. So, okay. I'm really fascinated about um I mentioned the, the building from scratch. Mm-hmm. We've kind of we've kind of hit on that. Um but when we're talking out there, you know, you say every time you do it, you get better at it, you get more efficient at it, you know, things like that. So if you were to start an agency today, or if you were to I've got two questions for you. You can line them up or you can take them one at a time. If you were to start an agency today, like what, what are the core bits you need? And I'm talking like tech, 
I'm yeah. talking um, headcount, I'm talking systems or KPIs or lack thereof, mm-hmm. um, work from home, work in an office. That's my first part. Like, what, what's the setup look like and yeah. what are the fundamentals you want there? And then, and then um, what do you need to build to sell? Because you've been involved in a couple of sales, is that right? I want to understand now you've done that a few times and you only learn through doing and failing. Like, yeah. what would you change? So they're kind of where my brain goes. If I was to start again, which is you know, not something I've thought about, but if I was to do so, I think that, again, going back to fundamentals is massive, right? You would probably sit there and go, A, who are you as a business? What are you going to be? And I think you probably need to plan that before you even hit you know, the, the button on LinkedIn that says you're good to go. And we see new recruitment companies all the time. Who are you? What are you about? What do you do? Why do you do it? Mm-hmm. These are the questions I would ask myself from day one. What differentiates yourself? How are you going to build that? Um, in terms of technology, I would look at, your ATS is massively important, right? You want integrations, you want automation, you want things that are going to add value mm. without necessarily, because time is your greatest asset, oh, but yeah. also the hardest one to have when you're starting from scratch. So um, I'm a massive advocate, and I talk about it a lot in my business now, is, well, guys, how are you using your time? Mm. We don't get paid for a lot of what we do. So I would probably sit there and go, I'm gonna go out and build product again to make sure that when I'm speaking to clients, what I'm giving them is an offer that guarantees me getting paid. Mm. And then I do a large percentage of that, that would be my Nirvana, my utopia, Um, and then contingent stuff, and then as I grow, I'd maybe look at things like PSAs and stuff like that. I probably wouldn't look to do that pretty early on. I think that that's a play for someone that's got headcount. I would, depending on who I was doing it with and how we were doing it, I'd look at VA or something of that ilk, um, but one that's part of your business, not one that's kind of external. You want someone who can do your admin, but also can do some research and some mm. and some um, resourcing. I think that would be my first play, even if it was really early for me. Uh, but I would just focus on my fundamentals. Mm. If I was going into a day one tomorrow, it would be every week, and I'd send it to people. I go, hey, look, my wife, you know, anybody else, I go, hey, this is what you need to hold me accountable for. She's terrible at it, so it wouldn't be very good, but someone else. <laughs> I go, this is what I'm doing. Make sure I'm doing that. Um, but I think that all of that is for nothing if you haven't done that preparation. Mm. Who are you? Why do you do it? What makes you different? What success look like? Because mm. a lot of people have a different answer to that. A lot of people go and start their own business to then have a lifestyle business. Nothing wrong with that. Mm. Don't think that would ever be me. I like the hustle and bustle and the drive, but... For me, it's all about having all those things lined up and then talking to it, you know, building your personal brand, mm. building a company brand to align to that personal brand, um, making sure that you're optimised in every way, shape or form to get inbound leads, which we're terrible at in our industry, and then figuring out how to utilise my time in units of measurement to return investment. So your time really should be spent on the high-value stuff. It's almost guaranteed it's it's making you money, right? As much as possible. Yeah, and that's, that's the nirvana, as I say. I think, you know... You're going to speak to a lot of clients that will try to say, hey, 12% is our terms. If you want, we can have this role that's been open for six months. Cool. If you want to give me a role that's been open for six months, I'll have it retained because you failed. So let me come in and actually do a process, and this is what that process looks like. And I think that in our industry, we love things, you know, the the kind of, I use the analogy in in my team regularly, which is we're not a kind of injury lawyer, you know, no pay, no fee type stuff. Like nothing wrong with that. That's their industry. But if you view yourself through that lens, it comes out when you speak to clients. We're a high value premium asset who are almost guaranteeing when there's a true partnership, your outcome. We may not guarantee that you get the best or the right person, but we're going to guarantee you that you get access to the best people in the market. 
That's how, that's the service we provide when we're doing retainers. So I think it's just how you reframe that kind of mindset and the magic of being able to say no. Oh, there's so much magic in that. It's glorious. Yeah. So many people, and I've seen it with friends that have started their own business who have done very well for themselves, but initially, oh, I've got to be busy. I've got to do this. Oh, there, there's this scrap of work that's going to pay me. Value your time. Mm. Put a value on your time and ask yourself every single day, is that worth my time? Yeah. Every interaction. Have your true north, your purpose. Mm. It's a very long-winded way. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think this. I think this is all really valuable for people listening. Um, what was the second part of that? Sorry. My second. My second part is probably the last bit, but it's. It's. I'm really curious around what are the what are the failures you've had, what are the learnings mm. you've had with regards to scaling something for for a sale. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that the <laughs> ironically the actual most important thing is your back office. You know, having everything lined up really well, uh, audited, all your finance and everything done appropriately. Recruiters love just being kind of haphazard. We're not really generally, it's a generalization, but I'll stand by it, great business people. We're salespeople, right? Mm -hmm. And I think having that kind of delineation between someone who has that business mind and someone who drives the business, mm -hmm. which is a, a massive separation, is hugely important. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at... You? I'm uh, I'm kind of in the middle of both, and I don't I don't know. I get the sense you both. I don't know if I do either very well, but I think that for me, I like being able to sit on the fence of both and understand the implications of what we're doing from a business perspective. I think that's important in any leader, but also being able to understand what we're doing day in day out in the minutia and going, why are we calling that client? What are we doing here? And I think if you're improving both of those simultaneously, I'm a pretty big believer in you should have a CEO of a business who's non-billing who just looks at the business mm -hmm. and you should have someone who, or a couple of people who are leading the business. I think that's you know, been very successful for us over the years. Um, I think it's important to have that delineation, but also that ability to be a bit of both or, or have an insight into both. Um, but yeah, I think it's, if you don't have that back end sorted, people are gonna come in and go, no. You know, the, the real value in your business is recurring revenue. So being able to understand what recurring revenue you can generate, so for instance, Things like for our pay-as-you-go service, that's recurring guaranteed revenue. Our retains service, which is now worth X amount, however much it is in a year, that's kind of, well, guaranteed income. Most importantly, your contract revenue. Being able to say, hey, we do this amount every single year, that's what's going to generate you good outcomes. Mm. Otherwise, you just, you know, there's lots of companies out there that will come in and buy your book, and that's pennies on the dollar, really, for, for reality. The best way to do it is to build a really good, sustainable business, mm. regardless of all the recruitment fluff we put on top of it. If you look at it through the lens of any other business, is it worth really good multipliers? What's the risk on this? Exactly. Yeah. That's what other people are going to ask because that's not you're not getting generally other recruitment leaders coming in to buy it. I'm sure there is, but there's always people who are pure business people, accountants, people that just look at spreadsheets. They don't care about the relationship you've got with Steve down the road. It doesn't matter. That's not valuable. It's about how you can quantify what someone's buying. And if you think about that through the whole process, I think that will make a really good and keeping good people on the journey. That's the most important thing, I think, as well. Um, I know I've counteracted myself in saying they're both very important, but having people on that journey and being able to say that where you're going is part of a sale, mm. when I look at ones that aren't successful, and you know, we're still in the process of ours, it's really about going, hey, this is where we're going as a group. And being able to say everybody's part of it, this is where we're going, this is the outcomes, uh, this is why. Communication, you know, all the human element is yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, I appreciate your time. That's that's the longest. There is a record for the longest episode we've ever done. 
So I want to leave it at that. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you. Um, that's all we have time for today. Um, if you got anything out of this, which I'm sure you did, like it, share it, subscribe, give us a five-star review. Really appreciate it. Watches us grow. Go and connect with Josh. Um, Josh Hill. Um, that's it. At the network. The network. Um, he's got a, you've also got a podcast too. Give that I a quick do. link. Yeah, that. the Executive Technologist Podcast. Exactly. We uh, had it around before it was cool. It's literally just me sitting down, very similar format to this. Mm -hmm talking stuff that I find interesting with people who lead technology businesses. So if you're recruiting in tech, or if you're in tech, um, go and have a listen, because I think there'll be some good stuff in there. Um, as always, have an amazing day, and may all your deals come true.